Jesus is alive, and today's topic is the Easter question. That'll make a little more sense in a few minutes. Um, but why worship? Uh, some folks I know just come to church on Easter. It's a holiday, and it's an Easter thing to do. But you know, Christianity doesn't have a big part in their lives, or maybe you've gone off to college and learned some things you brought up in church and began to question. So I'm going to challenge you with a question today that you need and all of us need to answer. Now, everybody, maybe you're not even a believer, and uh, everybody believes what they believe for a good reason. We analyze what we think are the facts and make conclusions and decisions. So it's really important when you and I talk to somebody, especially if they're not a Jesus believers, they have Jesus followers, they have a good reason to believe what they believe. And maybe they had some bad experience in the church, or maybe it was something else. And so, no blame, all right? So wherever you are in your Jesus journey, or not even starting your Jesus journey, there's no, no, no blame. But before we talk about the Easter question, I want to go back before what we're celebrating today, just the two days, back when we left off last week, when Jesus was executed, when he was crucified, when he was killed. And uh, crucifixion was a uh, a terrible, terrible way to, to die, but it also was about shame, and so you know what happened to the bodies after the crucifixion? They weren't buried. They were dumped on the trash heap so that there would be no uh, record of this person. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So, two guys, we've got his name on the screen, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, pretty wealthy guys, came to Pilate and said, hey, I know normally the, these bodies aren't, aren't taken down and buried, but we would like to do that, which probably required some kind of a bribe, <laughs> financial bribe. So they were willing, plus a risk to their reputation because people that were crucified were criminals. And so you're associating with a criminal, but they're willing to do that. And evidently they had enough money to bribe Pilate. And so they were able to take the body and bury it. Again, the reason this is so significant is because the goal of crucifixion was oblivion. Nobody have any record that you ever existed. There'd be no tombstone, nobody would ever know, there'd be no body, there'd be no bones, there'd be be nothing. So these two Jewish guys get Jesus' body, it is Friday afternoon, and at sunset, the Sabbath starts, and you can't bury somebody after that. So they hurriedly prepare the body and bury it before sundown. Now, something you might uh, not understand is when they buried people in these tombs, it wasn't to leave them there. Uh, they'd be there for some months or a year or two years until the next body came along and then they would go in and take the bones out of the tomb and put them in an ossuary, basically a bone box. Now, some of you may have uh, ashes in a box from someone, some loved one. Well, back then they put bones in a box of loved ones. And so that's what the plan was for Jesus. Later on, when the tomb was being used again, the bones would be removed. Now, back in Rome, 1,500 miles away or so, the emperor had no clue what was going on. Um, Wasn't important enough, this Jesus guy. Um, And Pilate was happy that, you know, that 
uprising was put down. In fact, he hated being in Jerusalem, and he also had a home out on the Sea of, of uh, Mediterranean Sea, and that's probably where he went after the events of this weekend. But what about the 11, Jesus' disciples? And what about Mary and Mary Magdalene and some of the other followers of Jesus? What was going on with them? Well, we can only imagine, but for Mary, her son was just crucified. Uh, for the disciples, the one that they followed for three years had died, so there was nobody to follow. Especially they believed he was the Messiah, and if he was the Messiah, he was going to throw off the Romans. The Romans weren't going to kill him. And so they're confused, they're upset, they're disturbed, they're grieving. And I guess the question would be, what's next? There's no more Jesus movement, so what next? Fishermen go back fishing, Matthew go back to collecting taxes, what's next? The reality is this, and it's on, I'll put it on the screen. On that Friday, there were no Christians. There was no Christianity. There was no Christian movement. There was no Christian because the Messiah had died. Now, the important thing about Jesus was he didn't come to improve things. He wasn't uh, to make things more moral or cultural change. Jesus came to replace the religion. Uh, the religion of the, of the Jewish people. He came to religion of the world. He came to bring something new. So, there was no reason for his followers to keep his teachings alive. Because it wasn't about good teaching or cool teachings. It was about resurrection. And so, in fact, let me, I put this on the screen. Jesus' teachings, Jesus' message, didn't appeal to anyone. Oh, yes, pay your taxes. Be honorable to the Romans that have you enslaved. Um, you don't have to actually commit adultery. You just lust and you've committed adultery in your heart. Oh, you don't have to murder anybody. You just have to hate somebody in your heart. Um, love your enemies. That was a real popular one, right? Forgive everyone no matter what they've done. See, Jesus' message didn't appeal to anyone. In fact, besides that, he made some claims. He claimed some things. Uh, for example, he claimed he was greater than Moses, which was heresy to a Jew. He said he was greater than the temple. He said he was greater than the prophets. Some other things he said, I put on your outline. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Not there is a resurrection. I am the resurrection. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Another thing he said, uh, <clears throat> anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. I'm God. Now, folks, let's be honest. If I say I'm God to you, what are you doing? You're laughing and getting up and leaving, right? Well, that's what Jesus said. In fact, in the middle of his ministry, we, you know, Palm Sunday was a week ago, and Jesus was celebrated on that Sunday. But... Um, Beginning of his ministry, he was teaching some pretty weird stuff. You go back and read John chapter 6. In fact, he's talking about eating my body and drinking my blood and some pretty kind of weird, strange stuff. And so John, who's writing this and who was there, tells what happened after that. He, at this point, many of the disciples turned away and deserted him. You and I probably would have too. 
And then Jesus turned to the 12 and he asked them, are you going also to leave me? Again, this is back in the middle of his ministry. And Simon Peter answers. He said, okay. Uh, pretty interesting answer. He said, well, Lord, to whom should we, would we go? Uh, we, we think you're the Messiah. <laughs> There's nobody who's going to beat the Messiah. Even though we don't understand most of what you're saying, <laughs> we still got the chance you're the Messiah. So we have the wor- you have the words of eternal life. So we believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. So it wasn't about a teaching. It wasn't about a what. It was about a who. So why follow when he dies? No one to follow. So the disciples are thinking, we must have got it wrong. We must have got it wrong. So I put on your island, did Jesus move and died when Jesus died? Because it wasn't a movement about a teaching, it was a movement about a him. So, let's leave that there for a minute. Let's fast forward 350 years. Roman emperor at this time is Theodosius I. I don't know if there was a second, I didn't check. But anyway, it was a Theodosius I. And we had a historical date, historical event, on February 27, 380 AD, the emperor issued the Edict of Thessalonica. Does anybody know what that said? What that was about? Pretty fascinating. Pretty fascinating. On that day, if you were a Roman citizen, you worshipped a bunch of Roman gods, right? After that day, guess who you worshipped? This Jesus that the Roman Empire just killed 350 years ago. Tax money that went to the Roman temple, God's temple, now went to the Christian church. How does that happen? The man you crucified 350 years ago now becomes the man, the whole empire, not just a country, the whole empire now worships. Fast forward to today. Don't know the exact number, but I'll just... Round figures, there are probably about 2 billion people worshiping this Jesus on what we call Easter Sunday. Well, wait, 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 wait a minute. 2,000 years ago, <laughs> they just killed this guy. That was a fact. This edict's a fact. The fact that 2, 000, 2, 2 billion people are worshiping Jesus is a fact today. So what is the question that begs to be asked? What is it? Well, (laughs) let me give you uh, an illustration that might help. You're walking through a park. You come across a lady with a little, uh, cute little girl, child. You assume the lady's the mom. So she is so cute you can't stop, but stop and ask or tell the mom, your daughter is so cute. And of course, she says, thank you. And then she begins to tell you a story. She says, well, a year or so ago, my daughter was playing on a trampoline at the neighbor's house, and she fell off, hit her head, had a concussion, and the rescue people pronounced her dead. And that's the end of her story. So, That story begs what question? 
Well, obviously she's alive now. What happened? Because it doesn't make sense, does it? That somebody that the Roman Empire crucified 350 years later becomes the one they worship and billions of people worship today. So on your outline, what happened between this crucifixion and the movement that took over the Roman Empire 350 years ago? And it continues till today. That's the question, the Easter question that begs that we all need to answer. So let's go through these one account of the Easter story. The gospel writers wrote it. We're going to look at John's. He, he was there. <laughs> um, beginning John chapter 20, verse 1. <clears throat> Early on Sunday morning. Okay, so the Sabbath went from Friday night to Saturday night. And so then the next day, Sunday morning, that's when people could do things again. (laughs) So early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. Other gospel writers said there were some other ladies with them and found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. Now, those of you guys that are married and and ladies, I don't know about you, but I just know about my wife, but I, I think it's pretty common. I don't fold towels in my house because if I fold the towel, guess what my wife does? She folds it the right way. Or if I load dishes in the dishwasher before my wife starts it, what's she do? She moves the stuff around so it's there in there the right way. So guess what? Two guys buried Jesus. Ladies, did they get it right? Probably not. So early on Sunday morning, they're coming to do it properly, to do it right. Now, gospel writers talk about um, don't know how they're going to open the tomb, but I guess they're trying to figure it out, out when they get there. So, what's, what's Mary do? Well, the text goes on. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, John. John's writing this. He doesn't refer to himself as John. But he says Jesus loves him. <laughs> so she said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. We get a lot of that the they stuff with false news, don't you? They are doing this, and they are doing that. Well, that's kind of the story here. They, whoever they are, have taken the Lord's body. Now, Luke records that response of the disciples. What do you think the response was? Well, Luke chapter 24 But these words seem like pure nonsense to them. And they didn't believe it. Uh, They didn't believe that the body was gone, I assume. So, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to check it out, right? So the text goes on. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple, John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Probably better shape, younger, we don't know. He gets there first. What's he do? Well, he stoops and looks in and saw the linen wrapping lying there, but didn't go in. Now, something I, I don't know why I didn't know this sooner. Uh, maybe because of the movies and all that kind of stuff. The tomb was, didn't have an opening that was six feet tall. They made these tombs just big enough to get into. I mean, we're digging into rock, right? So the entrance to the tomb was probably about three feet high. Not this high, right? So you could crawl in. 
get the body in. It helps explain why you could move a stone. A six-foot stone is kind of hard to move. A three-foot stone, that seems a little more workable. Possible, right? So, John was faster, but John wasn't braver. <laughs> Take some bravery to go in a tomb, right? So, he just looks in. And the text goes on. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. And he also noticed the linen wrapping lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. If you're a grave robber, are you unwrapping the body and folding up the cloth for the head and then taking the naked body out? That's ludicrous. That makes no sense at all. So, the text goes on. So, the disciple who had reached the tomb first, John, was went in. He saw and what? Believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. The only explanation, right? So now they're re-engaged with, yes, he is the Messiah. Yes, he is resurrected. Yes, he is alive. And yes, we have a purpose. We have a person to follow. Now, we've all experienced this kind of process. We've all, I believe we all have anyway, had something that we didn't believe. Somebody told us something, we read it, whatever. We didn't believe and then we researched it. Or maybe we went and, and saw for ourselves and we got there and we realized, surprisingly, that yes, what I didn't believe is actually true. And then we believed. And if it's something significant enough, we commit ourselves to that belief. And that's exactly what happened to the disciples. So, uh, fast forward another 20 years or so, and Paul is starting churches, and he's writing to these churches. And a letter to the Corinthians, he has a whole long chapter about this topic of the resurrection. We're going to look at one verse, not the whole chapter. <clears throat> and here's what Paul writes. He says, if there's no resurrection of the dead, not to Jesus, but any resurrection of the dead, because Christian church believes in the resurrection of all of us. Then even Christ has, has, even not even Christ has been raised. So we're not raised, Christ's not raised. So if that's the truth, if that's the case, and if you're a doubter, that's probably what you believe. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is futile and your faith is empty or useless. We're wasting our time here this morning. If that's true. So if you're not a Jesus follower, you know, it, you know, it might be fun to celebrate Easter at church, but we're all just wasting our time and energy. Especially me, I've, I've been a pastor for 40 plus years. One of my joys of being a pastor is that I believe I, my life's had purpose. But if that's true, my life's had no purpose. And there's be no church, there'd be no Bible. So on your outline, it says, the resurrection of Jesus is not just the Bible story, just one of many. We talked about one last week, we'll talk about another one next week. In fact, we're going to talk, do a series on starting next week on faith. It's kind of a confusing topic, especially how to increase our faith. That's next week. 
But the resurrection of Jesus isn't just a Bible story. It's the Bible story. In fact, it's not a story. It's a Bible uh, fact, or it is a historical fact. Um, let me ask you, do you know anybody else that was crucified? Tens of thousands of people were crucified. Do you know any name of anybody else? You might know one. <laughs> I did my research. Who? Well, we're not positive. Uh, but we do know one. Did you ever see the movie, movie Spartacus or the TV show? He was a real-life person. He was a, um, led a, a, a slave rebellion, and he was pretty successful. And, of course, eventually the Romans executed him, crucified him. All right? But we know this name, well, all through history, people know the name of Jesus. So, again, it begs the question, what happened? What happened? And of course, if you're a Jesus follower and you're here to celebrate or you're celebrating the real true meaning of Easter, then what happened is what? That Jesus rose from the dead. Conquered death. And in reality, how many people like mysteries? I like mysteries. All right? Well, this solves a huge mystery. The mystery of how a crucified nobody in the, you know, no, insignificant part of the Roman Empire, 350 years later, becomes the religious leader, the one that is worshipped by the whole Roman Empire and by billions of people today. The mystery solved. So, what does that mean for you and I? What does it mean for you and I? Well, John 3.16, John earlier on is writing this. Uh, Jesus encountered with Nicodemus, he says... <clears throat> But this is the way God loved the world. He gave his one and only son. By world, he means the people of the world. So that everyone who believes, only people can believe, will not perish, but have eternal life. Will not perish spiritually. Uh, spiritually, we're separated from, from God with, by our sin. So now we can have that fixed. Payment is paid. And then we can live eternally. And well, you know, I might feel bad about the sins I do. I might feel condemned. Well, <laughs> John continues writing what Jesus said, or about Jesus. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. That's not his purpose. What is his purpose? But the world should be saved through him. So, simple question, and we'll finish up. What was the point of the crucifixion? What was the point of Jesus' crucifixion? Excuse me. He died so you and I might live. Well, how do we live? Well, fast forward 50 days later, uh, Pentecost happens and Peter preaches a sermon to a bunch of people that had just 50 days earlier had killed Jesus or yelled that Jesus be crucified. Romans actually killed him. <clears throat> and so he said, you killed Jesus. And they said, okay, okay, we're, we, we're guilty. What do we do? And so just one verse, we're almost finished. Now repent of your sins and turn to God. Repent means turn around. So you and I are sinners, separated from God. We're going our own way. I'm going to turn back and go God's way. But the only way I can do that is through Jesus. So your sins can be wiped away. And you and I can have a relationship with Almighty God. Quick story and then we're in. There was a lady, medical doctor, young medical doctor, uh, Polish medical doctor, during World War II, or preceding World War II, 
And she had a toddler and a newborn. And she was on the last train out of Poland before the Nazis took over. And um, the trips had taken about two hours. It took two days because they had to keep stopping and so forth. But the problem was they didn't have food and water on the, on the train. Two-hour trip, you don't need that. So the, by the time they got to their destination, uh, her baby was sick. Was probably dehydrated. Anyway, there were some nurses, uh, some um, nuns there. And they agreed to take the baby to the to, to the to the uh, their hospital and, and hopefully nurse the baby back to life. So the mom, being a doctor, was relieved at that. that her, her, her child would be getting medical care. So she sleeps through the night. She gets up the next morning and she finds out that the Nazis had bombed that hospital and her, son, her child was dead. They say to her, well, you can go see if you can find the, the corpse. Gave her a flashlight. She went looking. And as she's looking, she hears a cry of a baby. And she goes, continues looking, and she finds a baby, and it is her child. So the, the shock and the grief from just hours earlier becomes joy and jubilation. And that's true of you and I. First disciples. The shock and grief of that Friday became joy and jubilation on that first Easter morning. Jesus is alive. If that's true, and maybe you've kind of left your faith or maybe never adopted a faith, I'm going to give you a sample prayer to pray. You don't have to pray these words. You just think this in your, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> in your mind. <coughs> Good thing I'm finished, right? Heavenly Father, I see now what I missed before. You know, I missed the connection. I missed the relevance, whatever it might be. I believe Jesus is who he claimed to be, and I place my trust in him as my Savior and Lord. I believe his death served as a full payment for my sins. Amen. Next step is the same thing we gave you last week, to just take some time and <clears throat> worship outside of here, the meaning of Easter. So let me pray with you. <clears throat> Father God, we thank you. We can't thank you enough. You're willing to do the, the hardest thing that you ever had to do, to sacrifice your son, to separate yourself from him, so we can be in relationship with you, so we might live, not just here, but for eternity. <clears throat> and Father God, if there is someone <clears throat> that has kind of drifted from their faith or left their faith or never entered their faith, we pray that they would, we encourage them, we'd urge them to pray this prayer. What other answer is there to the Easter question? How could all that happen? The only explanation is that you're alive. The tomb is empty. Thank you for such great love. In your name we pray. Amen.